in disbelief and shed some light on me and tell me something that I'll believe in. Hey there, and welcome to the first full episode of Witnesser Radio. Again, I'm your host, Zach, and I'm really excited that you're listening in. That intro song was from the band Shinedown, one of my favorite bands. Their lyrics are really spiritual, and if you've never heard of them, definitely check them out. They're really rad, and they're coming out with a new album soon, so a great time to get into them. The topic of today's podcast is one of the most popular adages from one of the most revered and beloved spiritual teachers of the last 50 years, Baba Ramdas. And before you at me, I love Ramdas with a fire that has yet to dim. I literally couldn't get out of bed for about a week when he died a few years ago. So yes, I'm also quite emotionally unstable, um, but I want to just give some alternative perspectives on this teaching that we're all just walking each other home. And I really think that's an important thing to discuss about teaching and learning, which are a mutualistic thing, and that's the power of teachings, that the people who hear the teachings um, expound upon them and give their perspectives. That's what strengthens them, makes them more relatable, and allows the concept to continue to expand and be relevant. So while walking each other home is a beautiful saying that gives you the feels right in your anahata, which is Sanskrit for your heart chakra or the fourth chakra right in the middle of your chest, I think it deserves a little scrutiny. After all, have we ever left home? In the Advaita Vedantin philosophy, which essentially translates as non-dualism or not two, not separate, it is understood that there is no difference between Atman or the thinking and acting self and the material world, also referred to as Maya, and Brahman, which can be defined as Sat, reality in the true sense of the word, or absolute, whole, eternal consciousness, chit, or self-luminosity, like fire, which illumines but can never illumine itself, since that's its essence, illumination, ananda, or bliss, the experience of this eternal wholeness, not wanting, not lacking, and not even aware of these human concepts. Because when you get to this state, these very human ideas literally have no existence. And from this human brain, it's obviously hard to talk about that. This is a good time to reiterate something I mentioned in the introduction to this podcast. And that is that words are only like a finger pointing at the moon. You wouldn't mistake the finger for the moon. You would understand that the finger is a mechanism to get you to look at or contemplate the moon. For 
any sort of spiritual evolution, it is imperative that your mind consciously realizes that you do not understand and that your goal should not be to understand through the limited intellectual capacities of the tool that is the human brain. And if you're like many Westerners especially, who have never had an experience of no thought, it may be enlightening to reflect upon the limits of constant thought, conceptualization, and compartmentalization. That's what most Westerners do on a daily basis at all times. If you're someone who fancies themselves a scientist, and in the Western society we were all raised um, almost worshiping the scientific method as the way to think, and you then employ this logical, sensical, scientific method in your approach to everything, well, let's use that framework to think upon the fact that you do not direct the cellular activities nor the communication that goes on between the trillions of cells in your body at every single moment. No, of course not. It's all chemical, automatic, a spontaneous evolutionary mechanism to ensure the survival of the human species, you may say. I won't dispute that, except perhaps the term spontaneous. Did you direct the creation of your brain in your mother's womb, or any of your organs or limbs for that matter? No, you did not. And you do not have any understanding of the micro, micro, micro happenings that are going on in your body, which is a beautiful, complex piece of technology. I think it's well for us to remember just how complicated our bodies are. And it's good to recognize that our brains have extreme limits. So let's not place them on a pedestal to which they do not deserve the place. Oh, fuck. Did I just babble for a good, I don't know, three minutes? Potentially. Okay, Zach, let's bury your preachy, preachy tendencies. Um, I think it's a good idea that I occasionally inject some personal details about myself because there might come a point where you're legitimately like, this person is fucking crazy. But all jokes aside, this podcast in the synopsis, if you've read it, is grounded in human experiences. So the way I'm structuring all of these talks is to introduce the concept that I would like to discuss, give some philosophical background on it, and then go into a very some very personal examples that will help explain how this manifests in this reality that we're all experiencing and then i'll tie it up at the end so um, if while i'm giving my personal anecdotes you get a little lost and you're like what is this about again i promise hopefully at least in my mind it will make sense at the end. That's up to you to decide. A lot of people have this weird belief 
that talking about yourself is somehow selfish or navel-gazing, I really have come to experience that talking about your own experiences is the only thing that you can authentically do. Western society especially has become very codependent and a lot of people feel like they need to at all times appear selfless and constantly in a state of empathy for others. But you can only truly be selfless if you are fully comfortable within yourself. There are a lot of adages about this. Um, The one that comes to mind right now is you can't pour from an empty cup. So this is really embodying that belief, which I agree with, that only when you are fully coming from your fully whole authentic self can you offer anything to anyone else. And at the end of the day, as Ramdas actually said, the only truly helpful work that you can do for another is working on yourself. And then that will just naturally allow you to be a beacon hold space for others because you're not constantly defending your idea of yourself, projecting your issues on others, and jumping to inaccurate conclusions about others and their experiences. So in this podcast, I'm going to talk about myself. So at an early age, I developed an intense desire to share my beliefs with others. My parents were teenagers when they had me, and I am four years younger than my sister. So yeah, that math um, doesn't work out, but really, it's possible. And my dad was an alcoholic and also addicted to crack cocaine, prostitutes, and bar fights. And he was imprisoned several times. He would render himself unconscious almost every night and prance around the house in his underwear and often break things. He was about 350 pounds, and to 10-year-old me, he was absolutely terrifying, repulsive, and mean and scary. Um, I would scream at the top of my lungs, You are disappointing, Jesus! This is not what he meant by bearing your cross. Put it down. Please, for the love of God, put it down. Now, back to Ramdas for a second and walking each other home. Was I, at 10 years old, walking my father home? And he, in respect, me? At one level, yes, I agree with this. My consciousness incarnated into the mind-body-spirit complex that was given the name Zach because the experiences he would have were the perfect ones for his entity's state of consciousness. Where did I resist my true nature of oneness with the creative source of the universe, the ground of being, my true nature and home? Clearly, I had some hang-ups about grown men wearing tidy whities And additionally, 
I had developed some false beliefs about being unsafe in this cosmic neighborhood, about being unlovable, about not deserving love, not deserving encouragement, attention, and care. And slowly but surely, and yes, very painfully, experiences in my life kept completely pummeling me back into myself, my true self, urging me to go within and to stop looking for myself out there. After all, I was always, and without exception, looking at myself, my beliefs reflecting themselves back to me in the greatest mirror and teacher of all, life itself. And from my dad's lens, was I walking him home? His father physically abused him, his brother, and his mom to the point of several hospitalizations. He was valedictorian of his high school in an extremely underfunded school district, which is sadly very prevalent in the collective conscious conversation still today. I'm hoping that things turn around for the absolute dichotomy that exists and the gap between the haves and the have-nots. Um, it's great that it's coming into the open, but it's one of the most painful things to actually look at when you are conscious. So he was told that all he was good enough um, was for trade school. And he's an excellent electrician, but he always felt like the world didn't care about him. What was the point for him to nurture a child, one that presented as intellectually gifted as at a young age, much like himself, if that would just give me false hope that would eventually be completely obliterated by this cruel, cold world in his perspective. He kept looking for answers to that burning doubt inside of himself and eventually succumbed to the unconsciousness offered by drugs, drinks, and sex. But does that make him evil, for lack of a better word? Is he not also a soul deserving of being walked home? Well, I have to admit that I haven't spoken to him in four years. I tried to, and I was blamed for ruining his life, somewhat due to my sexual orientation, and I didn't know where to continue from there. For me, that was reflecting my deeply internalized homophobia, and for him, perhaps it's reflecting his deeply unconscious abandonment wounds from his father, from the system, from the world, and ultimately from his creator. So yes, when you look at it from one angle, we are all just walking each other home. But from another angle, life is truly much like an onion. You peel and peel and peel and peel. And then when you think you've gotten to the center, there is nothing. You are like the flashlight that illumines all around it, but can never illumine itself. After all, 
you are the source of the light. Consciousness itself, exploring itself in infinite multiplicity. I don't understand it from within this human brain, and I don't need to. I'm home. Sat, chit, ananda, or nausha, alaha, in Aramaic, at all times, in all places, spaces, and within every manifestation. And it's that feeling that propels me on through this blistering, often harsh ought that is reality on the planet Earth in the year 2022. I'd like to end with a beautiful exposition of this resilient pushing on with an absolutely open heart that allows itself to break and at the same time see the absolute perfection inherent in all things which I believe is one of the most beautiful traits that human beings possess. Ram Dass um, has this talk titled Bearing the Unbearable, and it can be found along with many other beautiful teachings on ramdas.org. Bearing the Unbearable. Bearing. If you don't use the part of the mind that is the intuitive heart mind, if you don't cultivate it and use it, you're just left in a reactive kind of puppetry. It's only when the mind, the awareness, draws back that you have a sense of the gestalt. You see the whole thing, and then there is nothing in you pushing it away or grabbing at it. In order to be able to cultivate that level of awareness, you have to finally come to terms with denial. Because otherwise, the closing of the heart to protect from despair is too much. To that extent, you are not able to work with what is, and there is a part of you that is locked in, closed off from the universe, and so you're saying, I want to be everything. We are all one except for this or that. But that's too horrible. I can't bear that. Well, what the game is about is bearing the unbearable. I can't bear it, you say. And here we are. Now what? See where I can't bear it? comes from? Like a model of, I'll crack open if my heart breaks. Well, if your heart doesn't break, you'll starve to death. That's your choice, to spiritually starve. I'd rather have my heart break again and again and again, moment by moment by moment, because then I am alive in the situation. I'm getting fed and I'm feeding, and the whole thing comes down to the fact that we are together. Thank you for listening to Witnesser Radio and Namaste, or the God within me humbly bows to the God within you. 
I had to jump on here at the end and just profusely apologize for the absolutely terrible sound editing. I'm just learning how to do this, so if you can just bear the unbearable with me for a little bit, I appreciate it. Thank you. And now I'm going to let the ethereal sound of the band Wet in the song Bound walk us home. Bound you.